Hello, listeners and citizens of Broncos country. My name is Adan Diaz, and welcome to another episode of Broncos Talk. In today's episode, it's a special episode of the Bronco Breakdown because we are going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game versus the Denver Broncos. And oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, I've i honestly been... I wrote two rough drafts about how I wanted to break down this episode. One, I was writing it mentally in my head while I was at work yesterday watching the game on my phone. And when I saw just how fucked up everything was going on, I immediately threw it into the garbage. Then I lit the garbage can on fire. Then I tied it, put it in a box. Then I tied it and I threw it in the ocean with a rock. And even then doing all that, I still couldn't forget about everything I had written because it was already embedded in my brain. Jesus. I mean, and then the second one, I literally threw in the garbage about 10 minutes ago because I, I didn't like it. So... I decided that instead of just writing it, I'm just going to wing it and uh, it might not come out as great as I wanted to or as you had maybe hoped. But let me also say that um, I do appreciate the feedback that I gotten over the last week's uh, Bronco breakdown and the one before that. I don't know if I mentioned that before. Uh, I will have a little bit more to say about that towards the end of this episode. But your feedback was greatly appreciated. I'm trying different methods on how I can approach this uh, without sounding too, what's the word? I guess you could say boring or if I'm not bringing enough stats or, you know, what have you. But then again, if you're here, you pretty much know exactly what, what the fuck happened. So <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't put it any more clear than that. But anyway, this team right now to take a phrase from last year is we're not just living in a world of suck we bought like a fucking townhouse and we're just throwing like big ass parties almost every single game day where <laughs> it's like we don't want to leave and the thing that kills me about that is the fact that when that phrase was brought up last year we weren't in the condition that we are now, you know, aside from, I mean, Drew Locke was still injured, but you know, we still had Von Miller. We still had Bradley Chubb for a little bit before he went down. Uh, we didn't have our right tackle because, you know, he was going through the injury carousel or whatever, but we, we were still at, we were in a better spot. We were still at full strength. And our only problem was Joe fucking Flacco. <laughs> and you know, it was a. It, it, when you reminisce on that, it, it almost makes it like a great time to have been a Broncos fan, where it's like, oh, we just one quarterback from away from being a great team, you know, from being a playoff contender. And you fast forward into now, and you look at the list of injuries and who's out and who can come back, and if they come back, are they going to be rushed? Are they going to be 100 percent? Are they going to be a little bit rusty because they've been out of the game? for a couple of weeks like all these questions arise and as for it doesn't matter if you're uh, a, a, an NFL analyst or you know one of those coach couches from your house it seems that nobody's guess or answer is right not even mine and it's more it's just you just have all these what do you what can say like hypothesis hypotheses hypothesis like all these just hypotheses or whatever you want to call it 
and it's like just put them in a bowl and and you know pick one <laughs> that's what it feels like because there is no definitive answer and in this game it just didn't work everything that coach Fangio and Pat Shermer and his entire coaching staff put on paper and you know practiced on it didn't work and the question is why didn't it work what happened what went wrong and if you watched that game uh well from the recording of this episode yesterday you saw what went wrong to me the biggest disappointment wasn't just the fact see my whole thing is and i know i keep retracting but (laughs) my whole thing is is that some of the time i don't really mind when denver loses like it does like yeah it sucks but it doesn't hurt me that bad because I know this is a great football team. It's how they lose that kills me. You know, we lost, we barely lost to Tennessee. So yeah, that sucked, but you know, I was still hopeful. We only went down five points to the Steelers last week and that still made me hopeful. And then this week we lost by what, 18? To the Buccaneers? And only one touchdown for four quarters. At home, the road games, I can give you like, okay, road games are always harder to win. And when you do win them, they're that much more sweeter because you beat another team in their own home field. But when you lose on home field, especially for our, our beloved Broncos, it's it just it, it it's like somebody just punched you or kicked you in the nuts or whatever sensible part in your area is. Even though they told you they're going to do it. And no matter how much you prepare yourself for it, it still fucking hurts. And it, it, my, I, you know, I had a list made of, you know, who who I was, um, you know, winners and losers. I know a lot of people do that. But to, to be honest with you, there were more losers on that list than there were winners. And, and rather than going through the entire, um, you know, uh, um breakdown of like in terms of you know possession and and an interception and all that um let's take a different approach to that because even even i don't think that merits a a discussion because (laughs) if you look at that list it's just punt punt interception punt punt touchdown touchdown punt safety punt punt return or no not return uh touchdown and i don't need to tell you who who did what on that thing because Denver only had one one touchdown and that was towards the end of the half. But let's talk about who I think suffered the most. And for me, that was Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll took one gigantic backflip like he had Steve Austin's bionic legs where he makes that, you know, like backflip just backwards because i mean jesus christ i gave him a lot of credit last week because the steelers um, front line defensive front line was a lot more vicious than what the buccaneers had especially since he got sacked so many times but i figured you know okay jeff is getting the start he's gonna see this coming uh he's not gonna go in there and you know like he did last week where he just got thrown in the fire because drew lock got hurt and to be honest with you the drew um the drew the Jeff that we saw this week or, la- or yesterday was the Jeff that I expected to see against the Steelers. 
the Jeff that just couldn't get a pass, that struggled in coverage, that, you know, that was the Jeff that I was thinking, I was thinking we were going to see. And the Jeff that we wanted to see from the Steelers game was the Jeff that we wanted to see against the Buccaneers. But it, it's like it's vice versa. And, and I don't get it. I, I honestly don't get it. I mean, you had a week to prepare. You should have been able to at least empower or better yourself five days worth than what you were on, on, on Sunday. And that is very worrisome because for the Broncos, it's a short week. We're heading to MetLife Field. And if you're a Broncos fan, you know that every time any Broncos player steps foot in MetLife, it's still haunting memories from that Super Bowl. What was it? Uh, 48? From the last time the Broncos were there at MetLife against the Seahawks. So, it it doesn't bode well. And it's, it's actually very alarming because these are the players that you expect that when injury happens down the line, that these guys can come in and pick up the slack. Especially if it's, hey, our, our star guys are hurt. They need time off to heal, and we need you guys to, you know, to hold it down until the, the starters get back, until Julak gets back, until uh, Philip Lindsay gets back, until um, A.J. Bouye comes back. Uh, Von Miller, at this point, I, I wouldn't rush that man back because it, it, it just wouldn't be worth it. I know he wants to come back and play, and I love him for that, but the way this team is going, it's do you really want to put a man of that caliber out there just to, just to say if we even do make it to the playoffs, it'd be anything short of a miracle. But unless this team turns it around, then I'll lead my words on that. But if we keep going on the trajectory that we're going, it's it's not looking good. But back to Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll, he reminds me a lot of myself when I play Madden in the terms that that we both can't read defenses <laughs> and I know I, I I probably shouldn't say that aloud especially because I've been playing Madden for a very long time but this is the reason why I play against computers because when I do practice in practice it, it works out great but when I play um, on my franchise mode and I'm like okay here's a blitz coming and I audible and I change it it's actually something else and it and if and it backfires and I either get sacked, a strip sack, or I throw a pick. Nine times out of ten, that usually happens. I rarely ever get it right. Because I'm thinking that the defense is going to play one way, but then they end up playing another one because I didn't read it right, and I'm either in play action. And in Madden, the play action animation, you can't react until your quarterback is uh, gets done doing the, the handoff animation. So sometimes a defensive lineman is right in your face, and before you can hit a... Uh, 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 the hit stick or, or run or anything you're already sacked and most of the times it's a strip sack so i think that driscoll is is in it's it's like a real life madden mode where he can't read the blitz coming and because he can't read it he can't audible and when he tries to do something at the last second when the when the pocket collapses he just he either tries to run which is even worse because jeff driscoll is not a mobile quarterback like drew Locke is and I'm pretty sure he can't throw on the run as we saw where he tried to throw it and either the ball slipped or I don't know, but it, it just nosedived into the ground. So, that Jeff, you got to do that virtual 
coaching thing that Drew Lock did when he was hurt. Even if you have to stay up all night <laughs> this week, you know, just you you got to do something, man. Especially if the the coaches decide to to stick with you uh, against the Jets. Um, another person that uh, I was kind of ashamed, well, not ashamed, but sad that we didn't see out there was was Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, our our gold goose, our sixteen million dollar running back who you would think would have a jersey so dirty from rock, from toting the ball so much that you wouldn't see his name or his numbers. But for some reason, he is not being handed the ball as much. He's, it's like they don't trust him. It's like, I don't know, did Shermer remember something that Melvin Gordon did in practice where he's punishing him for it? Or, you know, or is Melvin Gordon injured or... You know, you know, like what the fuck's going on? You know, I get it. Our O line right now is not the greatest in terms of you know open up, opening up gaping holes. But Melvin Gordon isn't just about running through the O line. You know, he can run around it. He can, he can do wheel routes. He can, he can do other things. You know, but for some reason they, 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 they're not leaning towards the the run game. And when they do, they do it at the worst times. <laughs> Which also makes me think of, like, in a hypothetical sense, what if maybe we were wrong about hiring Pat Shermer, you know? What if we had just stuck with Scangarello? Because what Scangarello was doing towards the end of the last season was actually working. You know, especially when Drew Locke came back. And, you know, he did struggle towards the end with the Raiders game, where Drew Locke didn't put up the numbers he had put up the games prior to that. But at least it was a work in progress. And I know if you go back and you listen to my earlier podcast, I gave Pat Shermer a lot of credit when he came over because I thought that he can take the over for what Scangarello was doing and not only take over, but make it better. But so far, it seems that it hasn't gotten better. Now, to his uh, credit, it's not his fault that, you know, Corlin's son got hurt and he's out for the year. And it's not his fault that he doesn't have Drew Locke. I get it injuries suck at the same time it's a part of the game it's part of any game whether it's football basketball baseball hockey whatever but at the same time you have to be able to work with what you got and i know that driscoll is no uh, joe montana or tom brady he's not you know a six football champion quarterback but you have to be able if you can't use him for his strengths then you have to be able to concentrate on his weaknesses and find a way to work around them. And this is not the time to be just like throwing random plays out there and, you know, and hoping one works. It, it, it just The fact that Brett Ripien had a... I hope I said his last name right because I can never pronounce that man's last name right. Uh, the fact that, that Brett came in towards the end of the half because Fangio benched Driscoll... And Driscoll and Driscoll and, and Brett almost had a touchdown, but he threw it in the end zone and an interception. If that would have counted, even though it was in garbage time, I'm pretty sure that would have somebody would have rubbed that shit in Jeff's face. <laughs> you know, even though Jeff had already had a touchdown, but Jeff had been in there for almost three quarters and all he got was one touchdown. And this is pretty fucking alarming, folks. It it really is. Now to to get an understanding, this is not a you know fire Elway uh, podcast, and this never will be because John Elway is my hero. 
And I know that John Elway, he can be cheap. And he can also, you know, fuck up a lot of draft picks as he has in the past. But let's be honest, folks. The Bolin family loves John Elway. There's nobody on that family that would ever turn on John Elway. Unless John Elway just went off the rails and just started and turned this team into the Browns. And, you know, we had like two or three winless seasons. Then I think out of desperation they would do it. But aside from that... It, it, it would be it'd be ludicrous and this isn't John Elway's fault John Elway did what exactly what he's paid to do he gave the offense the weapons he gave them the, the manners he had nothing to do with the injuries that that should just happen now on the other hand what John Elway does need to do is if he wants to write this ship and he wants to prove that he is not giving up on this season and you know win the fans back he has to get a pass rusher. Uh, I'll talk more about this later on during this episode, but the pass rush was almost completely negligent yesterday. Aside from Shelby Harris, who uh, I know last year people were, were ragging on him because he wasn't doing all that great. And, you know, he had to be moved around and then he started showing uh, signs of improvement. But this game, he was the only man that got to Tom Brady. Uh, aside from Bradley Chubb, but the when when Chubb tackled him, it wasn't really a, a sack. I think it was more like a, a at the line. But Shelby Harris was the only gleaming light on that defensive line. Uh, Bradley Chubb did have a couple of, of run-ins, but he still he's he's going through what Von Miller did with the double teams and sometimes even triples, or when Fangio breaks him out into coverage, which coverage play isn't really Chubb's strong suit. He's more of a of a rusher type of guy but um yeah so you know this this isn't a, a Vic Fangio fire either people have to you know being a couch coach has made me realize just how fucked up you can say things in the heat of the moment you know and then when when the game's over and you sit there thinking like well you know maybe it wasn't such a it wouldn't be such a bad a great idea to to do this like like fire Vic Fangio. That's all I kept reading on uh, on social media yesterday. You know, fire Vic, uh, tank for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you can't give up on Drew Lock that quick, folks. You you just can't. Why would you? Let's talk about that then. Why would you want to bring in Trevor Lawrence when our O line is is struggling? You want to bring in a rookie. You haven't even given Drew Lock a season yet. You haven't given him a chance to prove himself to show you that he can be a franchise quarterback. Why would you want to go out and restart all over with another quarterback, even if you could? Why? The the quarterback is not the biggest problem. Our our, our starting quarterback, let me just say, not Driscoll. Driscoll's a whole fucking different issue. But you, you cannot go out there and, and start tanking. No NFL team should ever go into any season and start tanking. It shouldn't be that fucking way because it just it ruins the game for everybody else not even the jets who are probably uh, uh, next to the giants the two worst teams in the nfl who are, are just they're, they're 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 just they're terrible but with that said you, you you can't go thinking that and with vic fangio he yes he's a defensive coordinating uh, coach type of guy but you have to give him a chance to to show you what he can do, that he can show improvement before you turn on the the hot seat on him from underneath him. And 
I know we keep I'll keep saying this a lot during this episode too. The injuries are playing a big factor into why this team is the way it is. So, but at the same time, we can't keep using that as an excuse for these losses. You know, because it's like yes, it sucks we don't have our starting guys and we're playing teams that 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 are mostly complete, but at the same time this team has to show that they can go out there and that they can still be relevant that they can still compete until our guys come back but if the second and and, and to some extent the third guys if they can't go out there and at least show or prove or show some sign that this team will not go down without a fight or that there's still resiliency in this team or that this team even still fucking cares then how do you expect other people or other teams or players or whatever to take you seriously when they play you? I mean, just just look at the matchup coming up this Thursday against the the, the Jets. I mean, me personally, four weeks ago, I thought this was going to be a three and and0 game and this was going to be a stomp for the Broncos. And now it's like I've seen so many memes about how it's going to be like a toilet bowl game and only fans of either team are are going to watch it and it might be one of the lowest rated Thursday night football games of the season. So yeah, it, it, it sucks. It, it really does. And it'll suck even more if the, if the Broncos lose that game and we'll probably all be in line at the store buying, you know, paper bags and, you know, cutting holes in them and putting a mask on them or something. But Melvin Gordon, going back to Melvin Gordon, he needs to be used more. Because what's going to happen is when Philip Lindsay does come back, if he doesn't come back this Thursday and he comes back in the next week against the Patriots <laughs> of any of, of all teams, then there's going to be that whole fight over who's better and you know who wants more control. And to me, it's a disadvantage for Gordon and, and a lost opportunity, mind you, because this was a chance for Gordon to show that he was worth all the money Denver spent. And he's only showed it I think the Steelers game so far has been his only t- great tape that he can bring towards a, a renegotiation down the line so far. In, in this game, he didn't have no, no breakout performance. He didn't, you know, break out for yards. He didn't have a touchdown. Uh, matter of fact, let's, let's take a quick look at how Melvin Gordon did. He had eight carries for 26 yards and an average of 3.3. That's it. Out of four quarters, he only carried the ball eight times, and he only went 26 yards. Royce Freeman, two carries, four yards, and just averaged two yards. Jeff Driscoll, he had 17 completions out of 30 attempts. He went 176 yards for a touchdown and an interception. So, those, 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 those numbers—they're—they're they're not good. They are not good at all. Uh, the best wide receiver was Jerry Judy. He had five receptions for 55 yards. No touchdowns, though. Next to him was Noah Fant, who finally Pat Shermer got the memo about feeding Fant. And although it does suck that uh, when I watched the game back, Fant did have a couple drops. And it, it sucks because it not only does it hurt the fantasy value, but it also hurt the chance that the Broncos had of uh, you know doing some damage on offense. But he had five receptions for 46 yards. And the only touchdown, of course, went to Tim Patrick, who had four receptions for 43 yards. And then as you scroll down the, the, the list, the numbers just get lower. And it's just kind of depressing <laughs> when you think about it. And th- this is it's just 
it, it, see, that's how lost of words I am because I don't have my notes. <laughs> it's, it sucks when you think about when you watch that game because if you took away the, the title of wherever you're watching it from, you couldn't tell if you were watching a game from 2020 or if you were watching a game from a couple years ago because the similarities of those both of those times are so close together the offense going three and out the defense going out there and either giving up a field goal or a touchdown rarely ever get going uh forcing a, a punt and just literally wearing the defense out almost every fucking game and it it, it just it, it sucks and as i was why i was actually at work so I wasn't even watching this live. I was reading the the play by play on my phone, but my coworker could he he was sitting behind me. He could hear me cursing and yelling, and you know, and he's a Bears fan. So he was like, you know, my team won today, and I'm like, ah, good for you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was, you know, losing can make you very cranky, especially as a fan. But uh, Melvin Gordon needs to be fed more. And I, I just don't want it to be an issue when, when Philip Lindsay comes back and, you know, they start arguing over who should get more touches and and what lot and, and what lot <laughs> and whatnot. But you're paying Melvin Gordon this much money. He needs to be better. Pat Shermer needs to find a way to make him better. Because otherwise all that money that they spent on paying him just made it look like uh, just like it wasn't worth it. You know, and if they didn't sign him, if they didn't sign him, and we still had Royce Freeman, then I, I couldn't even blame you because I'm I'm not that high on Royce Freeman currently anyway, because I f- I see him more as bit as almost like a smaller version of Melvin Gordon in terms of a power back. I don't think he's very elusive like like Lindsey is, but this is an issue that needs to be corrected and needs to be corrected right away because even though we have an easy game against the Jets. The schedule does kind of roller coaster and it teeter totters in terms of you know good teams, you know average teams and 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 whatnot. So I'm still holding on hope that this can be one of those one of those seasons where it's like yeah the the Broncos started off really shitty, but then they just skyrocketed and started winning games, kind of like how it was I want to say 2018, 2017, where the Broncos went like six and zero. And then they went into that game against the Giants. And then after that, they just fucking... It was like they jumped out of a plane without a parachute. Just nosedived. <laughs> and, it, you know, things got worse from there. And I think it was I think it was 2017. Because it had to be uh, Vance Joseph's first year with the Broncos. So, with, with, those, de- with, those, um, with those things in mind... Uh, if you're still listening, just to recap, this is not a fire John Elway episode. This is not a fire Vic Fangio episode. Although Vic does need to own up to his mistakes. And by mistakes, I am saying in for some reason still keeping Ojemudia in. For the life of me, I don't have anything against Ojemudia. I know he's a rookie. I know he's going to struggle. I know he's going to get burned. You know, And for rookies, whether you're on defense or offense, you have to put your feet to the fire so you can get used to you know the, the burn. But at the same time, if you have the ability to rotate between Ojemudi and Bosby, and Bosby has already shown that he can play on this team, I don't know why the fuck you wouldn't do it. 
why do you keep Bosby just as a, a, a backup? I, I don't want Ojemudia to get hurt just so I can see Bosby and be happy about it. I don't want no player to get hurt just to see another player get time, especially if the other player is either getting paid more money or has played on this team and can play better coverage or um, or offense than the person starting. I, I just don't get it. I don't know. What, did they fuck up in practice or something? Or, or is it a personal grudge with the coach? You know, somebody needs to talk to, to us because I feel like we're kind of left out. And um, I know we talked about Noah Fan a little bit when I was running his numbers. He he obviously didn't have a great game this time around. But I honestly, aside from his drops, I honestly can't blame him. I, I w- he didn't really spend all that much time with Jeff Driscoll in the first and second reps. I was actually pretty happy with the way Jerry Judy played. He did have, I think he had a drop, maybe two. Can't remember off the top of my head. But Jerry Judy did play a lot better game, and he's getting better. And it's a lot of responsibility for him to take up to be the new number one wide receiver, especially when that really wasn't the starting role for him coming into the season. But like I said, injuries are a part of this game, and they just change things on the fly, especially week by week. When you see players come in, when you see players come out because they're hurt, you don't know if they're going to come back and a timetable. But um, going back to what I said earlier, this offense needs to get their shit together. They need to find a way to gel and just to keep this team alive. Because if this offense can't get it together until Drew Locke gets back, if this offense can't get it together until Philip Lindsay comes back, or if John Elway doesn't bring any free agents that can still be a viable help, not a solution, but a help to this team, then we're looking at a pretty short season. And not just a short season, but a really rough season at that. And we're going to talk about the defense after we take a, a small break after these fine words. And we're back. If you're just joining us, we were talking about the Broncos offense and how they can be uh, better and what my personal thoughts about them uh, about yesterday's game. And it, it just the, 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 the offensive line, and I may have skipped this, but the offensive line really has been struggling the last three games. Dalton Reisner uh, has I think his, in, in my own personal opinion, he's shown a, a little bit sign of regression. Uh, Cushionberry is a rookie, so he he's gonna get he's gonna struggle all season because he has to get acclimated to the end of the life of the NFL. Glasgow, I don't know if his injury has been it's lingering on him and it's affecting his his play. Wilkinson, I, that man is a turnstile. I'm surprised. He didn't get uh, Driscoll killed this this weekend, uh, yesterday. <laughs> but Garrett Bowles, the man that was hated by everybody in Denver over the last, I want to say, two years, was the only man who not only didn't get flagged, if I'm not mistaken, but he also kept his man in check. He didn't give up any big, big-time pressures. And he was the only one on that O-line that actually looked like he knew what he was doing. And when you go on a podcast and say that Garrett Bowles was the best offensive lineman in that game, that tells you something about your current O-line. And it it's, it should be a giant red flag 
to Vic Fangio and and his coaching staff to say, hey, you know, we we need to we need to find a way to strengthen this O line. If the O line is struggling with blitzes, Pat Shermer needs to find a way to use his tight ends to help out. If the right tackle keeps getting you know beat, use him. If the guards keep getting beat, use a running back you know for a hit and run or something. This cannot keep going happening on because then when you play really good teams later on down the line who are just as good as the the previous three and your your offensive line and your offensive coach haven't found a way to adapt or embedder themselves to help deal with the pressure and give your quarterback more time, do you really want to risk putting Drew Locke back out there and risk him getting hurt because the offensive line can't hold the blocks? And it, it hurts Drew Locke's uh, uh, chances of improvement because you don't want him always scrambling and running for his life every single play and, you know, going three and out drives and throwing the defense back out there. So I honestly don't know what, what's going on with with the offensive line. Is I know Mike Munchak's name has been thrown into the fire of, you know, people that they should look towards moving on from. I wouldn't go that far yet, although I would, you know, light a fire under his his ass and say, "Hey, you 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 need to do something because this this shit ain't, ain't working out." Like for for starters, throw Dotson in there just this this Thursday, just for shits and giggles. Just throw Dotson out there. Give Wilkinson the the night off. Hell, don't even put him on the team playing when you when you go to New York. Just just leave him back at at Mile High. Give him give him a coloring book or something. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but. You know, we, we need to we need to change things up, especially on a short week, because what we got going on right now isn't working. And I don't know where the Jeff Driscoll from last week went, but we need that guy to come back on this Thursday. And we shit. We needed him yesterday, to be honest with you. And to flip the script to the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be not not that great either. Uh, the only guy on defense who really shined was Shelby Harris and Shelby Harris is having a really good season so far because this was a man who wanted to be paid big money Denver wouldn't budge so he went into free agency nobody out in free agency wanted him so he came back to Denver on a one-year prove a deal and so far that man has won his money (laughs) so he's looking at a nice contract if he keeps up the good work especially towards the end of last season where he had the um, the bat down against the Raiders and but he can't be the only one you have to keep counting on matter of fact there's a quote that he said uh toward at the end of the game yesterday we're not uh we're not in the business of excuses you know he said after the game he said we're in the business of of execution and making plays and we haven't been doing that we've got to sit down and be honest with ourselves and that to me is a really really powerful message because the one thing that the so far that I've seen from this defensive line aside from a pass rusher like Von Miller and I said this before in previous episodes is the leadership there is no leadership in that defensive line there is nobody in that defense that lights the fire and says hey guys especially if they give up a a big play you know hey get your head out of your ass we can we got to do this defensive line get in there you know, there's no motivation. The only motivation I saw from the defensive line was usually was only when Shelby Harris got a a, 
a, a sack or Bradley Chubb or one of the other defensive linemen made a good tackle. But you need the motivation that, that Von Miller brings to motivate your guys to not only play better to keep, but to keep that level of play when the defense is on a roll. And yeah, I know it sucks that they kept getting thrown out there and they kept, you know, they were tired out because the offense wasn't, they were stalling out and they were playing like shit. But they have to be the, somebody on that defense has to be the leader. Whether it's Alexander Johnson, whether it's Shelby Harris, uh, whether it's Bradley Chubb, you need one of those guys to be the light, to be the motivator, to be the guy that pushes this defense to keep the team into the game and, you know, just hope that the offense can get it together until the Drew Lock and company comes back. So with, with that said, I know it's three games in, but I think so far it looks like we may have overhyped Jarrell Casey a little bit, especially since when uh, uh, (laughs) Broncos acquired him back in March, I want to say, from the Titans. And it's starting to show why Tennessee moved on from him and they didn't give Jarrell Casey a big contract. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still a big Casey fan, but so far he hasn't lived up to the reason why. He should be getting a big fat contract and he hasn't lived up to the hype that the Broncos put around him and I'm not saying he wasn't worth the pick because shit the Broncos got their pick back just by trading um, the the cornerback to the Giants uh, shit I, I forgot his name already I'll remember but it, it we need to see the guy that we saw wreck havoc in the uh, when he was with Tennessee last year because up until they got to Kansas City Jarrell Casey was was a big factor in you know shutting down that Ravens uh, offense and you know getting to Lamar Jackson that's the Jarrell Casey I was hoping to see you know Mike Purcell he's kind of struggling a little bit he's not having that type of season that he had last year but that's because I think that He's still a little, you know, rough around the edges, and he's still he's still got plenty of room to improve. But Jarrell Casey, he those guys need to be the front line because we we're short two pass rushers in terms of uh, Demarcus Walker and Malik Reed. I don't know if he's dealing with something, but he hasn't been uh, that impressive either since last year. And he's supposed to be the guy that you know once Von Miller retires that should have been the the guy that can replace him you know he was pretty much hyped up during the preseason last year and he had some pretty good tape on him but again you know sometimes in preseason guys that are our average guys can look like you know great nfl starters until they play actual nfl starters and then they just look like average guys so <laughs> uh, although i will say that you know, it, it hurt my heart watching Shaquille Barrett, you know, running in there and, and getting sacks on our quarterback because it just reminded me of a, of a simpler time when he was a Bronco. And I, I, don't get me wrong, I, I love Barrett. I wish him the best out in Tampa Bay. But he's also not been off to the great, to a great start as he was last year uh, working in that Todd Bowles defense. But I, I really wish he wouldn't have had to wait until he came to Denver to get his first registered sack of the season, let alone a fucking safety at that. Um, but I, I do miss him in Denver. It would have been great to, to have him still here, but 
I, I get why he didn't want to sit and play behind guys like Chubb and, and Von Miller and then just be, you know, the backup. He wanted to be a starter. So best of luck to him. But going back to what I've said, not, not just earlier in this episode maybe, but also beforehand, Elway needs to find uh, a pass rush because Tom Brady spent way too much time in that pocket. And the one thing that Tom Brady always regretted when he played Denver, whether it was at Mile High or at New England, was the fact that Von Miller was usually always, you know, creeping or lurking by. And if it wasn't him, it was the DeMarcus Ware from 2015. And those guys made Tom Brady pay for when he threw the ball, you know. And without that pass rush presence and without the threat, any quarterback can can take advantage of that. And you saw it with with the last two quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks, you know, Roethlisberger, who's in his late 30s, and Tom Brady, who's in his early 40s, that are not mobile. And if there was a pass rush, they could have gotten to either one of them pretty quick or forced them to throw the ball on the on the flyer, on the run, or whatever. So the the absence of a pass rush has shown that this team cannot survive without it. You know, it's something that the Denver defense has always been able to pride itself on, and that's the, the, the pass rush and, you know, the orange crush, as they used to call it. And we haven't seen that so far, and we, we really need that. So if John Elway can't get nobody on, you know, any free agent to come in, whether it's Suggs or, or Clay Matthews or uh, I was going to say Ansa, but I think Ansa, he signed with the 49ers, then he might have to look for a trade. And if he thinks that this team can turn it around and if he's serious, then go and trade for a pass rush. But if he doesn't think that Driscoll can can hold down the fourth till Locke comes back or if he doesn't think that Locke can turn the season around when he does come back and the Broncos are in a worse position than they are now, then that's pretty much saying to you what the front office thinks of the season and they just rather, you know, go into 2021 with a, a little bit fatter pocketbook and see what they can do in free agency or the draft or what have you um but the 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 pass rush they they need to do something because as much as i love bradley chubb and malik reed i admire but i don't i can't really say he's a difference maker at the moment they haven't it's not working their chemistry is not there like with it is with bradley and, and vaughn and if you don't have a pass rush, you cannot give the opposing offense that much time to throw and give their guys a chance to break away from, from coverage or from their from their man and, you know, get open for, for big plays. And another player that I was really disappointed in is um, Justin Simmons because he has not lived up to the franchise tag so far. I, I know he kind of rebounded last week with the Steelers game when he had that interception and that was great. But in this one, he was just, he got beat by Scotty Miller. He got beat by Godwin. I think he got beat by Evans once. The The coverage isn't there. You can't expect Kareem Jackson to be everywhere at once. That's not how it works. And if Justin Simmons wants to have a big fat contract next year, he needs to show that he's worth it. And to me, I haven't really seen anything on him that that I can take next season and be like, hey, you know what? You, you did you played a hell of a season. You did great. You know, let's, let's sit down and talk numbers. I, I haven't seen that so far. That's that's not the, the Justin Simmons that we've seen from previous years. So I don't know if he's dealing with it. I keep saying that about everybody. 
I don't know if he's dealing with injuries. I don't know if he's, you know, frustrated and he can't play right. I, God only knows. But whatever it is, he he just needs to turn it around because it the Broncos need they need help. They they really do. We're living in a world of suck, and I know that the, I know that the defense is usually taking the 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 most of it because they're the ones that spend more time out there than the offenses as of late. But it it it, it needs to get better. It really does. And Bryce Callahan, he's not playing terrible, but he's also not playing his greatest. So he's like average, I would say. Uh, at the at the same time, he hasn't really been able to show what him and AJ Bouye can do because AJ Bouye has only played for two quarters. <laughs> so it, it's kind of really hard to pass judgment on on him entirely. But he hasn't really given up any giant plays and he hasn't been burned like Ojemudia has and it it needs to it needs to change I I say for this game against the Jets you know switch Bouye around with uh, Ojemudia you know and see what they can do I mean for this game it it can't really hurt can it I, I mean I know it's the Jets and they're one of the worst teams in the NFL but this game, you need to go out there and you need to make a statement. You you can't go in there and win this game by like three points. You you can't give you can't <laughs> you can't look like you're the on the same level as the Jets. The Broncos have to go in there and they have to demolish Sam Darnold. They have to demolish that defense and show that the Broncos can still be a legitimate contender. That they can still turn this season around and that they can still be the type of team that I mean they're not going to be the type of team that we imagined back in uh, before August or anytime before that but you know this can still be a team that can hey maybe they can make a wild card and you know fight to survive and go as far as they can uh, obviously they don't really have the pieces to be a Super Bowl contender uh, in terms of what we've seen so far but if you know, certain moves are made or people are, are improved or I don't know. The season is still early. A lot of change can still be done before the trade deadline is over. What week eight? And, it, you know, things can things can happen. Things can change. You never know. But at the same time, <clears throat> we need to. And I keep saying this every single episode. We need to keep hope alive. You, you can't give up on this team. I know. I know, I know, I know you're sitting there thinking, you know, this guy's a, he's a dreamer. And believe me, I, I know that more than anybody. But you have to believe that this, in this team, you can't give up on them. Because if you go out there and you start thinking like they do, <clears throat> and you're not trying to be, you know, a little bit optimistic, and you're more realist, and you, you throw in the towel, and you know, that that's it for the season, and think for Lawrence, and fire this guy, and fire that guy. You know, sometimes we always... There's an old saying, and I don't know if I say this correctly, but the thing about pointing fingers is nobody ever looks at the person pointing the finger. We only look at who the finger is being pointed at. And by that, I mean that for this game, I don't really blame any of the players as much as I do the coaching because I think that the coaching 
failed this team a lot more than way more than what happened against Tennessee because this was all on Vic Fangio this was all on Pat Shermer's offensive schemes that they're not working and you know and as much as I want to sit here and say you know they failed because of injuries because we didn't have Locke because we didn't have Vaughn because we didn't have Lindsey because we didn't have Sutton you have to sit down and and, and and this and in that instance you have to say how many times or how many games can you really sit there and say we lost because we didn't have those guys we lost because we didn't have those guys we lost and you can't really say that because these are the guys that you need in case some shit happens later on in the season where shit hits the fan and you need those guys to step up and if they can't step up now at the beginning how can you expect those guys to step up in the end should that the same thing happen? Because as you get closer towards the end of the season, the injuries, whether they're two to four weeks, they're a lot more significant and they can hurt a lot more because that affects that team so much where if it's close to postseason and, you know, let's say Lamar Jackson gets hurt and it's like, well, he's going to be out for a month. And it's either the backup, can can he carry the team until Lamar Jackson gets back? Or is it just like, oh, well, you know, we're not going to make it. We'll just scrap the season and, you know, be back strong next year. And that, that philosophy goes for almost any fan, to be honest with you. So the coaching in this game was a lot worse than it was last week. And it was way worse than what it was uh, Monday night against the Titans. And if they can't get the coaching right, if Vic Fangio can't fire his guys up and get them to turn this ship around against the the Jets and, you know, put at least a one next to the three and get out of the old column, oh, and three column, then we're we're in for some rough times going into the, the Patriots game the following week. And this this week against the Jets, this is a win. This is a must win. The Broncos need that motivation. They need a pick six. They need a strip fumble. They need, you know, a, a Melvin Gordon 80, 90 yard touchdown run. They need a, a, a bomb to, to uh, Jerry Judy or to Hamler. They need something. They need big plays on both sides of the ball because they need to get motivated again. They need to fire up Broncos country because right now Broncos country, it's just like a like a Charmander in in the pouring rain. It's just like a dying flame. And if you're a Pokemon fanatic like I am, you know, a, a Charmander, the end of his tip, it's on fire. It's a, it's a flame. And the bigger the flame grows, the stronger the Pokemon gets. But if for some reason the flame goes out, then the Pokemon dies. So, um, I don't know if that's a great reference, but I, I don't know. It just came to my head. And I think that should do it uh, for the breakdown because I, I don't think that we really need to talk about anything else. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty depressing just going over the, the, the stats and everything. And I, I thought that for this episode, I'd fill it more with my own personal opinions than with all the, the mumbo jumbo from the previous episode. So we're, uh, with that, we're going to wrap things up and call it uh, an episode. So thanks again for tuning in to this uh, Bronco Breakdown. Uh, Before we go, I do have a quick announcement. And I want to send out a special thank you to... I don't think I got your name. 
but there was a, a, a listener. Uh, oh, his name is Eddie. Eddie, who has his own podcast called TBD, which I'm trying to pull it up here. It's um, I'm guessing it's to, to be decided. I apologize if I don't get it, if I don't got that right. But I wanted to give you a personal shout out and a thank you because you were the very first person to send me a voice message and you gave me one of your honest opinions about the previous episode. So I wanted to personally thank you for that and uh, thank you, you and your wife, who, if I'm not mistaken, you said was a, a diehard Broncos fan. And I'm glad you guys are enjoying the, the, the podcast and these episodes. I also uh, got around and started listening to a couple of yours. I found them awesome. Uh, so guys, <clears throat> check him out. His podcast is called TBD. It's a podcast thing. It's a great listen. Uh, so uh, check him out. And again, uh, just wanted to say thank you for uh, your voice message and for your support in uh, following this podcast. So with that said, thank you guys. Uh, just a couple of rundowns. Uh, make sure you check out myself and my other podcast friends on the Mile High Roundtable. We go live every Thursday on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we talk about all Broncos things related. Uh, and you get to see my face if that's what you like. If you always wanted to put a face on this voice, you get that extra bonus. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at A, the number 6, FT10, Mexican, all one word. And you can follow me there for uh, all to see all my hilarious Call of Duty <laughs> highlights because I love playing that game. And I sometimes I feel that playing Call of Duty is a nice relief of this current NFL season, especially when the Broncos aren't playing that well. Um, <clears throat> also, you can... If you're listening on Anchor and you want to be a, a supporter, a monthly supporter, I, I, I appreciate that very much. You'll get a personal shout out from me and you'll get to uh, get to. Uh, yeah, I knew I should have wrote that down. <laughs> you'll get uh, some behind the scenes stuff that most listeners don't get if you become a monthly supporter. And uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate all the listeners and the support. And hopefully, hopefully we can turn this around. And before we, before I sign off, let me just say, don't give up Broncos country. Don't give up on this team. Don't give up on this coach. Don't give up on John Elway. Let's keep things going. Positive vibes. We can still do this. Let's finish. Well, not even finish. Let's stay strong. Okay. And with that said, have a good day. Have a good night wherever you're listening from. And so long, listeners and citizens of Broncos country.